Now for our second message, it'll be brought to us by Mr. Steve Andrews. It is entitled, A Time to Every Purpose. Thanks, Sean. I wish anyone that's tuning in today on our internet and those that are here today, of course, in our congregation and those that are visiting from far away, <laughs> glad to have you today. My wife and I have been going through some uh, kind of difficult times. Uh, and it's kind of interesting that I would pick Solomon's Ecclesiastes to think about today and to read. Um, and, and I think mostly because he gets down and dirty about life and what life is really like and the things that are involved in it. And it's interesting that there is a, a tremendous amount of, of wisdom in, in Solomon's words, both in the book of Ecclesiastes and, of course, of the book of you know, the Proverbs. And I have, uh, over the years, I know I've given the message on Ecclesiastes several times. But it, it's been weighing on my mind a lot about the way life is and the way things are. Uh, sometimes how life sends you curveballs when you were hoping for a, you know, a, straight, a straight throw. Baseball and curveball, sometimes you can't hit it because it goes away from you. But still, within that framework, within that thought, I think that Solomon's words really do have and I want to move this thing just a little bit, ring true in the society that we live in. And sometimes when we are down, when we do think about things that, that are a little difficult, sometimes thinking about more difficult things in life also give us a, a different perspective. Solomon in, in Ecclesiastes, the words of the preacher, it's interesting, I... I've always considered myself since uh, I was ordained uh, as an elder, as a, as a preacher. Uh, preach the word. Preach the word in season now. So Solomon is the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And he starts off with a very interesting, what, what you would feel like is uh, a very morose way to think about things. He, he says vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Well, that, that means futilities of futilities. Uh, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What profit has a man of all his labor which he takes under the sun? One generation passes away, another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. And so when we look at our own life, we realize we're, we're very finite, even when it comes to just the, the, the part of us living on this earth for the, for the time that we have. One generation passes away and another generation comes. But the earth abides forever. And I go back to 1948. Some of here go back further than that. And some uh, are a lot newer than that. So uh, we, we, we do 
have an understanding that the generations come and they go, and it's a part of life. And every day, I mean, I was uh, the next one. The sun also rises, and the sun goes down, and hastes to its place where it arose. I was, I was actually very glad to see the sun today. I don't know about you, but it it really makes you down. And people that live up north would be very difficult for me to to to, to exist in an area where especially in some parts where the sun goes down at uh, like 3 o'clock in the afternoon and doesn't come back up until very much later. And so they have a very little sunshine. I, I am I'm used to living in a part of the country where there's sunshine. It, it, it's nice when that sun comes out and it's radiating. So the sun also rises and the sun goes down and haste to its place where it rose. So we... we we depend on that, and we know how important that is. The wind goes toward the south and returns to the north and whirls about continuously, and the wind returns again uh, according to its circuits. And, of course, we live in a tremendous age where we can get on the Internet. If you want to watch the wind moving around the earth, you can very easily do that. And you can find out where the, the fronts are and how the what what's affecting what part of the country and and how each and every part of that works. And it's interesting that God gave him a, uh, Solomon some wisdom back then, some, some understanding of just the basic things in life. And we, today, we go on the Internet, we find out all of this. We have the ability to look into it and see it uh, for ourselves. And say, well, yeah, things work that way. All the rivers run into the sea, that the sea is not full. To the place from where the rivers come, there they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that has been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Now, I have often wondered about that particular thing. But... In reality, in life, birth, growth, death, all of those things, you know, it's a part of the things that happen to all of mankind. It's just the way of life. It's just the way we live. And so we know that when it comes to those things, there's nothing new in that. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new, it's already of the old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are come with those that shall come after. And if you think about it, how many generations do you know? Unless you are a, a genealogist and you just love to look back in at your family tree, how many generations do you know back behind you? How many do you know of your grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, you know, all the way back. Uh, my, my daughter, Margaret, decided to go do that one time, and we found out, of course, I think I told you that, I thought I was Scottish and I ended up being English, so I, it was uh, kind of de- depressing, not, not depressing, but just, well, I always thought I was, uh, you know, mixed Scottish, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry about that, Matt, I didn't mean to... <laughs> 
it, it just was one of those things in our life. We were just, I just kept thinking, wow, I'm, I'm Scottish, and then she finds out I'm English. So anyway, I might be both. Who knows? Anyway, uh, There's no remembrance of former things, neither is there any remembrance of things that come with those that shall come after. I, the preacher, was a king over Israel and Jerusalem. I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This is sore tra travail has God given to the sons of man to be executed, uh, to exercise their will. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, that which is wanting cannot be numbered, and I command with my own, I, I commune with my own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to a great estate, and I have got more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly, and I perceive that this is a vexation of spirit, for much wisdom is much grief, and he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. Now, if we, you know, if we just left Solomon's words at this, we would kind of be depressed, wouldn't we? But we have more than just the book of Ecclesiastes. We have the Bible, which is filled with the wonderful things about understanding who we are, where we're going, and who created us. And even, even Solomon in the Proverbs, which is interesting, it almost seems like he was arguing with himself. Well, let's go over the, to the proverb, the first chapter, and, and let's look at that. This, this first chapter is very interesting of, of Proverbs, in, in, in contrast to what we just read. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To give subtility to the simple. To the young man, knowledge and discretion. I think what we're finding here is that Solomon saw the sorrow and the, the vexation and things in life, but he also saw um, how the learning and understanding and having the wisdom and having knowledge really is something that increases us. He says, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain to wise counsels, to understand a proverb, and the interpretation, the words of, of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. To, <clears throat> to reverence the Lord, to truly reverence God, is the beginning of all knowledge. When we come to that point in our life where we really reverence God, we really want to understand the part that he has in our life and what he wants from us. We truly gain wisdom. We truly begin to, to gain understanding and we truly begin to, to grow in knowledge. Things that the world really can't perceive unless they reverence God. 
and truly come to understand who created them, who put them on this earth, and the purpose for mankind. He says, my son, hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother. When you, as a young person, open, and I, I wish, I, I look back at my own youth, and I know that I grew up in this world. I didn't, I'm not like my children have grown up in this way. And, and, but when I was young, I don't think I ever remember even opening the book of Proverbs unless it was my mother reading it to me. Um, and maybe that stuck with me because I think she did read the book of Proverbs uh, occasionally to my sister and I over the years when we were young. But he said, my son, hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace to your head and chains about your neck. Honoring your father and your mother is one of the commandments in the Bible. And it is an extremely important commandment that you honor your mother and your father if they're still living. My son, if sinners entice you, consent you not. Right there, every young person should pause and think about what this word says. My son, my daughter, if sinners entice you, consent you not. You don't realize how important those words are in this day and age that we live in, in the society that you are living in. And it uh, looks like we have a, a good group back there, right there in that corner. <laughs> and I, I hope you uh, would be able to, to listen because I... I want to reach out to those of you who are growing up in this world and having to, to deal with the various things that you're having to deal with. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. And what they've what they're doing in the society today is they're filling them up with drugs and various things. And then they say, come with us. I'll provide you the drugs, but you've got to come with us. You've got to steal. You've got to do the things that we want you to do. And so when you look at the Proverbs and you think about the wisdom that's in these Proverbs and that's in the book of Ecclesiastes, you realize how important it is. Uh, for each and every one of us, and especially if we're young, to heed them. He says, then cast in your lot among us, and let us all have one purse. My son, walk not you in the way with them. Refrain your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. And there are those that are very, very evil in the world. And, and they will ensnare you. Sometimes you... They, they have a they have this um, way about them that, that seems so wise and yet they are so evil. 
Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. They lay wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of every one that is greedy of gain, which takes away the life of the owners thereof. Wisdom cries without. She utters her voice in the streets. How important is, is the wisdom of God's word to each and every one of us, old and young, teen and in the middle, whatever age group we're in, how important is wisdom, understanding things that are going on, being wise in this world that we live in. In James, the, the first chapter, I uh, just want to read just a couple of three verses here on wisdom before I go on with this personification of wisdom in the Proverbs. Realize, and I haven't got a whole lot of the New Testament scriptures, but there's a few in here that I wanted to touch on. James, the first chapter, in, in verse 5. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally, upbraids not, and shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a, a wave of the sea driven with the wind and toss. For let, that not, let not that man think that he shall re, receive anything of the Lord. So once we ask God of wisdom and we begin to read God's word and we begin to to grow in that wisdom, believe in what God is teaching you. Believe in what he's, he's directing your life in. And, and when you come to that point in your life when he has called you and, and, and ready for you to be a part of his family, which appreciated the Wells message, because we are the body of Jesus Christ. We are a part of his body. Anyone, everyone in this congregation, including the young people, are a part of that body. Let's go back to Proverbs again. And let's see. Wisdom cries without. She utters her voice in the streets. It's, it's like, come, listen to what I have to say. She cries in the chief places of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she utters her words, saying, How long, you simple ones, or you naive ones, will you love being naive or simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and the fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make known my words to you, because I have called and you refused. Uh, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded but you have set at nothing all your counsel, and I would, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. When your fear comes as desolation, and your destruction comes as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish comes upon you. If you build the understanding from God's word and grasp this tremendous wisdom that's in the, in the Bible, when those trials and tribulations come on, you will be able to handle them better. You'll be able to handle them better. Even though sometimes those trials and those tribulations can be great and maybe even can break your heart. But you still will turn to the Bible. You will still turn to God. You will still turn to His way. And you will seek His wisdom. 
Then shall you call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me early, but shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. These are those that reject the wisdom that God has written in his word. And it's, it is so profound. They would none of my counsel, despise all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way, be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkens to me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. So the groundwork that is laid is the groundwork of God's truth. The groundwork that is in your spirit is the groundwork of God's word. And through that Holy Spirit and through uh, study and, and all of those things, that groundwork is built. Let's go back to now um, Ecclesiastes. And let's, let's pick it up into the area that I really wanted to cover today. Because this is what I was really thinking about. Art reminded me about something, and I'll let you know. I think everybody probably knows this one. It was very popular many years ago. In, ver in chapter 3, verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, under the heaven. Um, that is where we live, under the heaven that we live in, under this beautiful earth that we live on. And some of these are very easy to understand. There's 14 of these, a time, a time too. So this is a time to be born or a time to die. I mean, so obvious. No one escapes. When we are born, we know and we can enjoy life and we can have enjoyable things. But we know the day comes someday when we will have to pass from this uh, mortal earth because uh, we will be, we will die. And I have a, I have a couple of scriptures here that I wanted to, to put in to this one. The first one is in Hebrews 9. Because I don't want it to be morose. I want it to be uh, something that we understand, but that we're also encouraged by. Because God is the one that is in, in control of our, of our lives, of where we're at, what we're doing. Because we are his, as we heard in, our first, in the first message. In, in chapter 9, and 26 through 28. Talking about Jesus. For then he must have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin for the sacrifice, uh, uh, sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed to men once to die, but after this the judgment. So even though we understand 
that there is a time to be born and a time to die, we come to the Bible and we understand that there also is a time of judgment. So Christ was once offered to, to bear the sins of many to them that look for him. Shall he appear the second time without sin to salvation? That's the great hope. And so when you tie the scriptures in to, to, to what you read, even though if it may seem a little difficult or a little depressing, you tie the scriptures in, you can become wiser, more knowledgeable, and you can be encouraged by what God has provided us to understand in his word. I have one more in this particular one, and that's First Thessalonians, and everybody's very familiar with this, but I wanted to bring this out because I think it's important at this particular junction to understand that a time to be born, and, and there's, there's rejoicing when a, when a child is born to a family. And, and, and that nurturing, that beautiful child is born and grows. And, and especially if they, they grow into to maturity and they prosper and they, and they have, a, uh, have a good life, even though maybe sometimes things would come in. But we understand that there is that time in which death will come. For if we believe that Jesus died, verse 14 in First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, and rose again, even so then also which slept in Jesus will God bring with him. So that word sleep, we also know, is the time that we're, that they're dying, they're dead, they're in the, in the grave, but they will hear that word. For this I say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And of course, we comfort one another with these words. And that's the reason why sometimes when we read words that seem to be a little bit negative or a little bit difficult to understand, we want to encourage, we want to help you to understand that there is a great purpose, and that's the whole point of this, there is a time to every purpose under the heavens. There is a time to every purpose under the heavens. And so, as we go... Uh, through some of these, I'll make some comments and some I probably won't comment on, but maybe you, you have an idea or a thought by uh, that particular uh, uh, time. A time to plant and a time to pluck up. How many know what a book that's been published every year for, I should have looked it up. I know it's over 100 years, maybe it's even more than that, that tells somewhat accurately, when to plant and when to pluck up. The Farmer's Almanac. Every bookstore, everywhere you go, what do you find? The Farmer's Almanac. You open it up. What's the weather going to be in January of 2020? I want to know. Is it going to be snowing? Are we going to have ice? What is it going to be? I don't know what the the how accurate they are. I, don't, I haven't 
But I know that, that you can do that. You can go. And, wow, you want to know when to plant potatoes? Go to the farmer's almanac. It'll tell you when to plant. When, oh, now you need to harvest. Oh, yeah, this is a good time to harvest. So you look and you find those things in the farmer's almanac. So here, Solomon, a long time ago, he says, there's a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. That's a tough one, isn't it? A time to kill and a time to heal. I think, I think there's a lot of killing going on in society. And maybe the healing um, comes from families getting together when there's something, a tragedy that happens. But the greatest healing that's going to happen is in the kingdom of God. And I tell you that today. But that is when the greatest healing is going to happen. Is when all are in the kingdom of God and those tears are wiped away. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. I always like to read Ecclesiastes 7. And verse 2, and funerals. Because I think it's important to understand that there is a time to mourn. In verse 2 it says of, of Ecclesiastes 7, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For it is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. And I think I've said this much more than once <laughs> every t- when I preach this message that when I was a young person and we had an aunt an elderly lady my mother used to take us over always she, I, I like to laugh because uh, she would always instruct us vehemently instruct us that we were not to touch anything in this lady's house and and so we would go over there and we would sit like good little kids <laughs> while my mother did her hair. Well, this, this aunt of ours, which was a very elderly aunt and was on my mother's side, and I, uh, she died. And we, we had been, we'd gone over there several times when my mother would fix her hair or take care of her, do whatever. Cause she, I mean, she wasn't a caregiver for her because the lady was, was quite capable of doing that, but then one day she died. She was a very elderly lady. Well, my mother would not let my sister and I go to the funeral. She refused to let us go. And so I think in that time, there was something missing from, from our life that we weren't able to mourn that older lady that we knew and have an opportunity to, to understand a little bit deeper what it meant that life came to that end of that, that older lady. That lady that we went to see on a regular basis. And it was like, well, okay, because we didn't go, so we didn't know what the funeral was like. We didn't have any idea. And then when it came down to my dad getting cancer and having a, about four months to live and then having to prepare for his funeral, 
we, my sister and I were really, really having a difficult time. We were both in the church and everything, but still, it was a difficult time for us. So, there's time to, to really have, um, to, to use wisdom. I mean, maybe you don't want to take your children to a funeral, uh, but if it's someone that's very close, it might be well worth the family going. So there's a time to mourn, and there's a time to dance. And sometimes after funerals, what do we find? People want to talk. They want to, to discuss that person's life. Sometimes they even laugh about things that that person has done in their life. So the, it's a time to rejoice afterwards, too. You mourn, but then you come to, to an understanding about that. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to, to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. And by the way, if you want to look up that one on speaking to fools, that's pretty interesting. A time to love and a time to hate. And we're supposed to love our even the, our enemies, but sometimes people come along that we have a very difficult time and we have to pray a lot about certain things about people. And, and, and in this society, there may be the people who are so evil that they're not redeemable at this time. A time of war and a time of peace. This last one, I think, I brought out a message in which I went back to 1900 and showed how many different wars there have been down through the, uh, up to the, to the time. And it, it is astronomical how many people have died in wars after war, after war, after war. This is probably the quietest that we've had in a very long time, even though we're still losing people all over the world to war. This is still not like World War II or even our own civil war where we lost thousands of our own people in a civil war. And so we see that there is going to be a time of peace. We understand that time of peace is going to be a great peace on this earth because it's going to be brought by our Savior Jesus Christ. And those wars will end and they will not start again. And there will be a great and wonderful peace. And so he goes on and he says, and I, I, I like what, what he's talking about here. What profit has he that works in that we're in he labors? I have seen the travail which God has given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He also has set the world in their heart, and so that man can find out the that man can find out the work of God makes from the beginning. Um, that no man can find out the work of God that makes that God makes from the beginning to the end. I'll get it right yet. <laughs> I have to read it three or four times, and that, and that's true because we have no idea until we're in the kingdom. We don't know what God did. In the past, 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 eternities, whatever, we have no idea. And even if we can find out just a little bit in the society that we live in and the time we live in, and 
We're able to learn a lot. We're able to learn a tremendous amount in this day and age. But understanding what God has done in the past and what he's going to do in the far, far future are two very different things. And we will not be able to discover that, I think, until we come into the kingdom when we have an eternity to talk to God and talk to, to him and, and find out what has, has gone on. I know that there's no good in them but for, for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good, good of all the labor that he the, uh, the labor, it is the gift of God. And I got to thinking about that. Um, there were there were a group of um, ascetics during the time of Jesus, uh, and of course, the Apostle John, or the uh, John the uh, uh, the baptizer. John the Baptist. He came, and he was—he would eat locusts and honey, and he was in this goat skin suit, and he was baptizing and calling men to repentance, and they got after him. And then along, what happened? Here comes Jesus. What's he doing? He's eating. He's drinking, and he's eating, eating and drinking with sinners, and he's preaching and teaching. And what do they do? They get after him. For, and they called him a wine-bibber because he was eating and drinking and, and being with those that he needed to, to talk to and preach to. And so, in our own life, God is telling us we should enjoy life to the best of our ability. It's also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all the labor. It is the gift of God. He has given us this life. And if we have an opportunity to enjoy something, we have the Feast of Tabernacles every year. If you have the money to enjoy to the fullest, God has given you that blessing. And living. Now we, in, this, in this society that we live in today, we are blessed. We truly are blessed with a bounty. And we, we just came through Thanksgiving. And I... I was thinking about the bounty that we have in our society that a lot of the world doesn't have. We are tremendously, tremendously blessed in, the, in America to have the kind of bounty that we have. And to want to not have Thanksgiving and not to praise God and honor God for all of this bounty which he I, has, has blessed us with, I don't understand. I know that whatsoever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God does it, that men should fear before him. When you come to understand the power and the glory and what God is doing, you come to reverence God. And I think that it's so very important that we do that. That which has been and is now and that which is to be, has already been, and God requires that which is past. And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment, that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. And I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. 
I think you're very familiar with where I'm going to go with that one. It's very important to understand that there will be a time of judgment on this earth. And the judgment will come to the great serpent, Satan. In chapter 20 of Revelation it says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, cast him in the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loose for a, for a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their heads, or their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. This is our destiny, brethren. This is our destiny. And it's part of the wisdom that is, and part of the knowledge, and part of the understanding that is written in the book that we read and that we have a part in our life. He said, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he which has part in that first resurrection. On such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, shall reign with him a thousand years. You know, in the span of the universe, in the span of God's existence, a thousand years will seem very, very short for us. Because we will be reigning and doing what God wants us to do for more than a thousand years. And you can read on how the Satan is loosed and many different things happen. God overcomes all of it. And we dwell in peace. We dwell in peace. In the kingdom of God. I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them and they might see that they themselves are beasts. For that which befalls the sons of man, men befalls beasts. Even one thing befalls them. As one dies, so dies another. And as another, yea, they have all one breath, so that a man has no preeminence above a beast. For all is vanity. All go to one place. All are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. You don't understand that one until you stand over a grave and have to preach that to, to, the, to the family of someone that they, they have on, on that gurney, ready to lay, lay them in into the ground. And you have to then pray for the family, pray for understanding, especially those that don't really understand don't understand the words that we understand and don't have the same comfort that we have and don't understand those things. And I've had a few of those funerals in my past trying to, to do that. And it is very difficult. And I have been surprised that God does, did provide some words for me and I was able to get through some and was very, um, very encouraged, especially by one that I, that I did with an older man and his family was very appreciative of what 
I was able to, to bring to them. And anyway, we, we understand, because that's what happens in, in life. We eventually will go and, and, uh, to the grave. Who knows the spirit of man that goes upward and the spirit of the beast that goes downward to the earth. Wherefore, I perceive that there is nothing better than a man should rejoice in his own works, for this is his portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? I, I, want, I want to encourage um, our young people especially. I have, I have some more scriptures here, but I want to encourage our young people. In this day and age, you could gain Solomon's wisdom and beyond because we have the internet. <laughs> Do you want to, would you like to be better at geography? <laughs> would you like to know all the things? I, one time I wanted to, to go, I wanted to find out about uh, the, the little town, of the little country of Belize. So I went in and I, I opened up the, the internet and got in there, I was able to find houses I could buy, restaurants I could go to, places I could go down and fish if I wanted to. All of these things are available on the internet. Do you, uh, how about engineering? How about, um, how about learning something new or something different? Uh, I mentioned one time that there is a website out there called uh, edx.org. And they have a tremendous amount of classes that you can take for free. Now, if you want to as a t continue education, you've got to put some money down. And these are not trivial classes either. I, I've tried a few of them, and they, if you take their courses and you take their little lessons and you then you try to take some of their tests, they, they very much are regular classes. And so you can learn, you can gain from the, the world, and, and you can in, increase your understanding, and you can increase the wisdom of things. Um, kind of get discouraged with politics, so maybe I, you might not want to be in, into that too much. But there are so many other things out there to learn and to, to grow in. Primarily, I, I want everyone, especially our young people, to really understand the Proverbs and understand uh, life and, and what it's all about. And especially when you come to the, to the time in your life when you're going to make major decisions. Major decisions in your life such as um, baptism, marriage, all of those things. Very important that you choose wisely. Indiana Jones. <laughs> and he the, the the old knight who's protecting all the, the, the cup of Christ. And he stands up there and this guy, he wants to grab the, that cup because he wants eternal life. And he, he says, choose wisely. The guy chooses the wrong one. Takes it. You know, and then I won't go into it, but then the old knight says, he chose poorly. He chose poorly. You... You don't want to do that, especially young people. Choose wisely in your life so that you're not looking back later in your life and saying, I chose poorly.
when it came to the end, he had some words to, of wisdom that he wanted to leave with those that were reading his Ecclesiastes because he laid it heavily on us, but he wanted us to understand something at the end. I'm going to pick it up in verse 8. Where he, he, he once again says, Vanity of vanities. This is uh, chapter 12, verse 8. Says the preacher, All is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed, sought out, set in order many proverbs. So that's what we do. We preach. We teach. So the preacher sought to find out acceptable words, that which was written, uh, that was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goes and as nails fastened by the master of assemblies, which are given from, from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished of the making of many books. There is no end. And of much study is the weariness of flesh. <laughs> now you go to any bookstore and you, can, you really can attest to the fact that there are a lot of books and there is no end to books. Let us hear the conclusion. Let us hear the conclusion. Because I think this is very important for all of us to, because when it comes down to it, he finally understands, and he finally comes to the conclusion. The whole matter, fear God. Keep his commandments. For it is the whole, and the word duty is actually in italics. So in reality, it's the whole of man. So if you want to be whole, and you want to be a whole person, you will reverence God, and you will keep his commandments. That is the whole man. I want to leave the women out, because that's mankind. Men and women. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so, with that, I have one more one more purpose, because it's a time for this purpose. I think most of you understand that I'm a, let's see, how old am I? Yeah, 71 years old and working on 72. And I have been very thankful to be given the honor of being the pastor here and having the opportunity to, to you know, see all of you and see the grow and um, but I understand also, and I'm, don't get ahead of me, I understand also that uh, there is a need uh, because there also is time in, uh, for all things. There's a purpose for all things. And one of those things is to be able to pass on uh, essentially the baton or whatever you want to call it to, uh, to the next generation. I, I don't want to be that pastor that ha they have to wheel me up in a wheelchair and then have, hold me up. That's, that's not my, my desire. And 20 years from now, we got the counting. 20 years from now, I'd be 91 years old. Can you imagine? 20 years. 20 years has gone by so quickly. I mean, we've, we've got more than 20 years in this, in this building, in this, in this place. Now, I was, in 1988, I was ordained as as a deacon in this in this congregation. And I was really 
<laughs> Lawrence, I, I didn't know. I, I, I did my best, and I, I think I was okay as a deacon. And then I, uh, in 1996, I was ordained as an elder. I had actually written up to, to be a part of international, uh, but that kind of fell through. And some of you know that history and how that, how that worked out. And so I was very blessed to be elder in, in the congregation. And then um, 2014, I took over the pastorship here. And, um, and so I, I always want to, I, I always like to look ahead and think about things. And I think you all know that, that Matt Steele has been doing some of the things that, that I've been doing. And, and uh, we've been working together a lot. I've talked to him quite a bit. And I, I brought up my Williams translation. And I want you to think about this, because I think this is very important. And this is my, my decision, so uh, he's going to be co-pastor with me. And I haven't decided when I'm going to, to give this situation up. Um, I still have uh, five more years on something that we've, we've signed, uh, but I'm not sure I wanna, I, I, I'm going to be there. And when I do go, when I, I, I want it to be a transition back to Elder, um, so as long as I'm able to do that. But I, I, I wanted to read you this. And you think about this. this is, and this is the Williams translation. This is the Williams translation. This is a saying to be trusted. Whosoever aspires to the office of a pastor desires an excellent work. Uh, that particular word in Greek has more than one meaning. It can mean pastor. It can mean um, overseer. It can mean bishop. Um, the King James is used as bishop. This particular translation uses pastor. Desires an excellent work. So the pastor be, must be uh, a man above reproach, must have only one wife, must be temperate, sensible, well-behaved, hospitable, skillful in teaching, not addicted to strong drink, not pugnacious, gentle, not contentious, not avarice, manage his own house well with perfect seriousness, keeping his children under control, Man does not know how to manage his own house. How can he take care of the church of God? He must not be, uh, he, he must not be a new convert or else being conceited, he may incur the doom of the devil, uh, of the devil's meat. He must also have a good reputation with, the, with outsiders or else he may incur the reproach and fall into the devil's trap. So I, I feel that uh, what... What I've, I've decided is uh, for the foreseeable future, and he's been doing some of the things already, that Matt is going to be the co-pastor of this congregation. And so that if something happens to me, he would just walk right into the pastorship. Or when I did make the decision to um, step aside and become back to, to being an elder. And I hope that uh, you all will... Uh, Give him, uh, give him the love and the prayer that he needs and all of the things that go along with um, being uh, pastor in the, in the congregation. Even though we're small, it does need leadership. And uh, sometimes I felt like that I was not as qualified as I would have liked to have been. But I do, I do appreciate it that you have 
have given me that opportunity uh, up to this point. Uh, this will, this, he will uh, start this in, in January of 2020, and then uh, when we have our new council, uh, we'll, uh, he'll be a co-pastor at that particular time. And we'll have the restrictions that the pastor has um, along with the, uh, the co-pastor's position. So anyway, uh, that's what I wanted to share today, and I, I hope it was a blessing.